0: Let us bow our heads now for a word of prayer. With our heads bowed, I wonder how many would like to be remembered in prayer. Just let it be known by you, lifting your hand. Our Heavenly Father, we humbly come to thee, Lord, confessing that we are not worthy of coming, but because Jesus has made the way for us and has paid the price, therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace in a time of need. And now, Lord, as we are here to present the gospel, searchable riches of Christ, we need you, Lord. And there might be one setting here, Father, that you're trying to school in a great way that you might send him somewhere to a great mission, that you have purpose. I pray, Father, that if that be so, that this night that. Your purpose will be fulfilled, and help us as we present ourselves to you for service. Now thou did behold all the hands, looking yet at those that are up. Thou knowest what is in need, and I pray that you'll supply it, Father. I offer my prayer with their prayer and their desires. My desires upon the golden altar where our sacrifice lays tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray that you'll break the bread of life to us out of Thy word. Amen. And to be seated. I am sorry to be just a little late. Only I understood that tonight it was just a a little late the service is running uh, just a little late we'll make up for it and get out just as quick as possible now we want to approach the word tonight and with all that was in it. i know you're here you uh, some of these fine singers uh mel johnson for one that i know is sitting here i've asked him to sing for us that song that i just can't get off of my mind constantly I'm humming it about the tears come running down I, I like that and I think you'd sort of go to St. Businessman's Breakfast or somewhere for us. Jim wants to be sure he gets that for me and if you have a little tape put on that for me special so uh, my children want to hear it. when I got to get down a little low, aisle I hear that, it makes me feel good, to hear good singing, and Billy, I go into the office down there, and he's constantly got them tapes of singing going all the time, and I think it kind of helped me. You know, there's something about the song that's got power in it. We all know that. We're, we're aware of that. That Look at the army when they sing the songs and play the music. Do you know the approach to war in the army of a god is first by music? The singers went before the ark rejoicing and singing, then comes the ark and then the battle. That's right. So that's the right approach, and that's the reason we come into service at night. What do we do? Sing the hymns of the Lord, then the ark, the word, read the word, and then the battle. And we're in. So the great banners are flying tonight. The name of the Jesus Christ, the Lord God, may be exalted, the enemy be put to flight. And the God wins the victory tonight, and save souls, heal the sick and afflicted. Cause those that are weary and stoop low to raise up their heads and rejoice. Give great glory into himself. Well, we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to turn tonight with me, if you have your Bible, and sometimes people just mark the little text and ministers speak on. It used to be that I could Think of these right quick without even writing them down, but after I just past twenty five, well, a few months ago, I mean the second time. And so it makes it a little harder for me to remember I'm bearing a lot of scars from the battle. And as we get older we just don't think like we used to, and I have when I look at the scripture and see that I remember what the text is. Let's turn to Joshua the tenth chapter. Begin reading at the 12th verse. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand thou still over Gideon, and moon over the valley of Ashkelon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed. Until the people had bent themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down about the whole day. And there was no day like that before, it or after, that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. For the Lord for, for Israel. The Lord had his blessing to the reading of his word. I want to take a text out of there for about 30 minutes if I can hold it to the A paradox. let use that one word, a paradox. Now according to Webster, a paradox is something that seems incredible but it's true. Therefore, a paradox then would be the same as a miracle. A paradox is when something is it seems like it just couldn't be. The, the knowledge of the human mind is altogether incredible, but yet it's proven true. Now a miracle would be the same thing, or a miracle cannot be explained. A miracle is something that happens and you cannot explain it. That makes it a paradox. It's incredible, but yet it's the truth. Now, people today, a lot of modernists believe that the days of miracles are past. They don't believe there is such a thing as a, a miracle. But yet, I believe that the world's full of miracles. Uh, I believe that paradox uh, is constantly. For instance, I believe that every born-again member of the body of Christ is a paradox in themselves. I believe each one of you Methodists and Presbyterian and Lutheran that never had experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit was in some formal church that did not believe in the genuine new birth and has now received the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a perfect example of a paradox because something happened to you that changed your whole being. And anyone could look at that and know that what a paradox is, a miracle. Unless that happens, you cannot uh, be a Christian. There must be a paradox for you to become a Christian, because no one can, can change a spirit in a man and give him new birth outside of God. God alone is the only one who can do it, and it's a miracle how that God can take a man's thinking, and his ways, and his life, and everything, and change it from what it was to what it can be, what he can make it. For instance, a few days ago I was called in on a a scene, or on a, a little something going on. There was a fine young man, very fine boy, he was going with a little girl very fine little girl out of a fine family, and this boy all of a sudden came up with some kind of an idea, and he just walked away, he did something wrong to the little girl and must have promised her to do a certain thing and then didn't do it. And uh, instead of coming to the girl and apologizing like a, a gentleman should do, he, it just wasn't he to do it. And the father and mother called me uh, to the scene and said, we would desire to know what is wrong with our boy. Now it's not easy to do sometimes, but you must be truthful and honest. Therefore, the boy was a Christian as far as the believers. He had repented and had been baptized and had his position among the believers, but yet and not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And no matter how much he thought he had, you thinking you have and have it's two different things. You might be able to try to say you have. You might be able to show some evidence of some emotion, but unless your life is vindicating what you're professing to have, you still haven't got it. No matter how many emotions, how much you jump, run, sensations, speaking in tongues, or shouting, or whatever you might lay it upon, which is all right, I believe in all that too. But unless your life copes with your testimony, then you haven't got it. Because the fruit of the Spirit vindicates what you are, just like the fruit of any tree tells what it is. Jesus said, By the fruit you shall know them. Now, this young uh, fellow, parent, his mother is German. No reflection on the German, but there's a strain in that family. And that is, they'll just step, and you can talk to them, and they'll just stare you right in the face. Uh, they got a, this girl's sister, the mother of this boy. It, her sister, I have come down the street many morning. and this young lady be sitting out in the yard. And I'd say, good morning to you. She'd just look at me, and I'd stop. I'd say, sure, fine morning, she'd just stand and look right at you, an intelligent woman. And I'd say, oh, come up to see us sometime, she'd just stand and look. Well, her brothers are that way, father and mother is that way. Now, the father of the boy is strictly an Irishman, moody, and high tempered high-strung, that's his whole family, like that, except one, other, out of the family, converted.
1: Now in
0: this, this boy, this father and mother both are Christians, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they have brought this young man up in the way of the Lord. And now the young man's about 17 or 18 years old, something along there. Very fine kid, and he's he's been a real model boy at home. Nice kid. And he's got a brother that just finds mercy. the girl, the mother, family, lives close to the a fine church, but do you think they'd ever come over there? No, and they know it's right, but it's just not in them to, to ask forgiveness or ask pardoning. They just won't do it. It's just not in them. Now, the genes in the father and the mother of this boy, no matter how much they're converted, still remains the flesh that's been interbred out to this boy. Therefore, the boy has got a complex in him, just like from his mother's family, and they are not forgiving, they will not apologize, and that's where that boy stands. Now I said to the father, no matter how much you raise him up, I said, now look at you, out of your family. and cutting and so forth. Now, look at the, your family to the mother. There are a bunch of people just sit there and won't speak very independent and so forth, irreverent to religion. But I said, it's not you. You're the only one of all your sisters and brothers, and you're sweet, kind, and forgiving. What does that? And you're a tree, part of that family tree, yet you have received the Holy Ghost. That's the thing that made you tender and sweet. It's not your people anymore, it's your Christ that lives in you. I said to the boy, look at your family, practically all of them are drunks and so forth. I said, and how moody and and high tempered, high strung, but you're not. You're kind, forgiving. What is it? The Holy Spirit. You're no more what you are, it's Christ in you. I said, now that same thing has to happen to your son. And the father raised up and said, my son went to the altar. He was baptized. Correctly, in the name of Jesus Christ, and water baptism in the pools, said, I know my son has come to Christ. I said, that may be alright. All the outward motions, he might be identified as a believer with the believers, but until he's regenerated, born again, I'd advise that young man to never marry a woman. He'll make hell on earth for her. Until that gentle, sweet, forgiving spirit of Christ comes in, then that will be a paradox in itself to take the very nature of a boy that's raised between father and mother, and yet in his intellectuals he's trying his best to overcome it. He can't do it. He'll never overcome it. Christ will have to overcome it when he lets Christ in and he's already overcome. Then it'll be a perfect paradox. When a man is born of the Spirit of God, I've seen critics stand off and make fun and carry on of a Holy Ghost a revival. And as you while, God get a hold of that same man and change him. And here he stands right before me preaching the same thing that he once hated. It's a paradox how that God can take the unbeliever and make a believer out of him. Now, I wonder if a man thinks that miracles have passed. I wonder what kind of a scientific medicine you could give such a person to change that disposition in them, to take that uh, hatred and malice and strife out. There's no one can explain it, but it's a paradox because it's a miracle of God when a man is changed from the person that he is to a new creature in Christ Jesus. He becomes a new creation. He's no more than what he used to be, he's absolutely a new creation in Christ. This world itself that we're living on is absolutely a paradox. How it was formed, we find out in Hebrews eleventh chapter and the third verse. That the world was framed together by the Word of God. Where did God get the material to make this world? How did he do it? The Bible says that it was formed and framed together, all of the structure and its part was put together by the Word of God. If that is a paradox, I don't know where it is. Where could we produce and say we got the material when there was no material? He had to speak it into existence. It's a paradox that this world is shared tonight. Another thing, it's a paradox of how it stays in its orbit. Hanging in space. How can it hang there at one place? Spinning this way about 1,100 miles an hour. 24 or 25,000 miles around. It goes around every 24 hours. So perfect it doesn't miss a second. So perfect. Turning at a better than a, about, a, better than a thousand miles an hour. It's turning around like this. Hanging in space. If it would go up or down any, well my, it would it'd interrupt the whole system of God's solar system. And it goes around the equator, around the orbit, so many a years time it never fails the seasons just exactly. Tell me what holds it up there. What turns it so perfect in time? You can get a watch. I don't know how much you might pay for one, a thousand dollars, and that watch, in the space of a month will lose minutes. They haven't got anything that can work so perfect, but yet this world turns perfect. Wow, it's God doing it. It's a paradox. God commanded to do that, and it does it. How about the moon? Yet millions of miles away from the earth, and yet it, it controls the tides on the earth. Millions of miles away, its influence of standing in its space, standing in its orbit, it influences the earth. Church would stay in its place, it would include the others. But we get off on some wild camp from somewhere, form an organization separate ourselves, singing and not having a faith, and then we got the whole system of Christianity mixed up. If ever a man would stay in his place, it would be a paradox of God. To see how God could bring Presbyterians, Lutherans, Baptists, Methodist, Catholic, and all together, if we come back to the Word of God, it would be a real paradox. And then the whole church would. Agree not upon your creeds and so forth, but upon the word the way it's written, because it's an no private interpretation, says the scripture. How that that moon influences the world. Here not long ago, a friend of mine, my neighbor, was digging holes for oil wells down in the state of Kentucky. And when that moon begins to rise over there, that tide comes in all the way across through the earth. That salt water down in the hole where they drill will raise up. When well, that moon comes, no matter it's down hundreds of feet below the surface of the earth, the top of the earth here goes down hundreds of feet. Yet when that moon turns around, that water raises beneath it. it is. You can't hide anything when God has commanded His God got to obey God. When God gives His command, that's the reason I know He'll have a church
1: without spot or without people.
0: God has commanded His though. It'll happen the Word of God has said so, how the tides, the moon, and everything influence the actions of the earth. You take, we see a star shoot, we call it a star. That isn't a star shooting at the light, of course, we know that. But we call it a star. That star cannot move that far. If one star would move out of its orbit, it would probably influence everything in the cycle, in the whole uh, universe. It would would, uh, interrupt. Everything would stay in its spot in order to keep the system of God moving. So would we stay in our place. We must stay as sons and daughters of God. We've been turning, there's been no death or nothing else, but thanks be to God, there's coming a paradox when God Himself was settled back in place where he should be. Yes, a paradox. Man that don't believe in, in a paradox and don't believe in miracles. How could you justify your intelligence and in looking in the face of things that you cannot? It's totally impossible for any man to explain how that world can revolve itself and keep in perfect time and ever the whole solar system and those things to how the moon can influence the earth and how many other things can we tell about how the sap in the fall of the year will go down in the root of the tree without any intelligence to run it down there, bring it back in spring of the year with new life? Why well, it's a paradox. No one can explain it. We don't know how it's done, but God doesn't. Therefore, it is a paradox constantly. It's a mystery how that God does that. We look at it so much until it becomes so common, we look over the top of And that's what's the matter with the, we Pentecostal people. We have seen God perform so many paradoxes that it becomes just occasionally that we even think of it. If we would only stop a minute and consider it, God is everywhere. God is is performing and his old time pieces kicking right around to finally should go come out into eternity because god has promised it to do that now we know that there is paradox now back in the days of noah before the rain came and the flood it was quite a a hard thing for noah and that great intellectual age that he lived in to try to tell people by a word of god that it was going to rain now, it would be uh, no doubt that it didn't meet the, the qualification of their scientific research. There was no rain in the sky. But to see, Noah said there would be rain because that God said there would be rain. And Noah, by faith, before the rain ever come, he said it would be there. That's the reason we say the same thing that they say, Boy, oh, Jesus, they said he was coming a long time ago. Hundreds of years ago they claimed he was coming. The apostles said so. Maybe their generations. That doesn't stop it a bit. We still know he's coming. How's he going to be? I don't know. But God will send him. He promised him. And I know he'll be here. Now, Noah could only say, God said so. But you see, then, after all, it did not meet their scientific approval in that day, but when the time comes for the word to be fulfilled, it rained just the same. That was quite a paradox in that day. To think that rain could come out of the sky when there is no rain. But if God is looked at His word, He can perform a make a paradox. He can perform a miracle, and any man is born. Spirit that performs miracles, why it's the easy thing for him to believe miracles because he's part of God. Amen. The son and daughter of God, not by denomination, not by creed, not by handshake, but by his birth, that you have died to your own intervention, that is born yes. of the Spirit of God, and you are a paradox yourself. How that you've been changed from death to life. Amen. How you're an animal is the new creation in Christ Jesus. It's a paradox. God speaks his word. His children believe that a God, the science cannot prove how it can be done. They know nothing about it, but the children believe it anyhow, and then God performs the paradox. Makes it so. Makes it so because his word that spoke the world into existence can, bring, can make every word that he ever promised come to pass. That's why Abraham the promise of God, through unbelief, but was fully persuaded that he was able to perform and to keep what he said he would do. He staggered at the promise of God being a hundred years old and Sarah ninety to have this baby, because he knew that God could perform and may have a paradox to happen on something of miracle to take place, and he did it. The Hebrew children. Now, how would you make scientists believe today that a man could go into a furnace, or I would be afraid to say how many Fahrenheit hot it was, but you go into that uh, furnace back there in the book of, of Daniel and stay in that furnace until the, they thought that he was, they was all burnt down to ashes, which even the man, the great uh, army of uh, soldiers, Great husky man that moved out there to to throw them in the furnace. That was man that went in there, perished by the intense heat of the furnace against them, and they fell into the furnace and was down in there for all this time and come out without even a smell of them. God performing a miracle. That was a genuine the keeping power of God against any enemy when a man is ready to admit God is true and God keeps his word and honors those who believe in him. Certainly I believe in a paradox. Joshua, the great warrior I just read about a few moments ago in the book of Joshua, the 10th chapter. Notice, Joshua was a a, a friend uh, to God. He was a soldier, a, a general, and he come up under the influence of a prophet, Moses. Moses had been taken away, and Joshua was commanded to take the children into the promised land and to divide the land. The children's disobedience and Moses' way to be old, and so Joshua had come up to take the place of Moses to be God's general. And the Lord spoke to him and said, "As I was with Moses, so will i would be with you." That's good enough for Joshua. He said, Be strong and very courageous, for the Lord thy God is with thee, wherever thou goest. And ever place the soles of your foot shall set that I have given you. Then put drink in possession. The whole land belonged to me it was a promise. Way before it ever happened, when he came down there with Caleb and the other spies, and they seen the great opposition, the Amalekites and and the and the highthites and so forth, all fenced in, and Derek Jericho could run a chariot race on top of the, of the place, and a great strong man, and some of the, uh, the unbelieving among them said, well, we look like grasshoppers to the side of it. But Caleb said to Joshua, we are more than able to take it. Why? God said, I have given you this land. No matter what the opposition is, how great and, and, the, and the the, the difficult look, yet God said it was there. God, God is able to keep what He has promised. Yeah. It was a paradox to see a handful of people unarmed almost for what they picked up on the desert and where they chase other men, probably such as old Rick and Saul and whatever they get a hold of, go in there and beat those men down that were giants. It was a paradox. God knew that they had courage to do it. And he gave them the promise. And they went in and performed exactly what God promised them to do. One day in the heat of the battle. When the kings had made a great uh, covenant among themselves and had come down against Joshua and the children of Israel, that God had promised them the land, and uh, he had routed the enemy, and they were in the woods and hills, scattered out through the wilderness there. Joshua looked and he seen the sun going down. He knew if those armies got a chance to replace themselves and and come back again at him. Well, he knew that he'd have twice as hard a time, and would probably lose more men, if they ever got a place to unite themselves together. That is where ministers, that is where we failed, that is where the church failed, when this revival that we just had, this great campaign that started across the country. When we had the enemy running, we should kept him on the run. But the thing of it is we have to go off this tantrums and so forth and big sprees of building and making more for our groups and so forth and there you come and separating ourselves from the word and taking this that and building up some more of our organizations and starting something else. Yeah. That's the way it always goes. That's the way it was in the days of Luther, Wesley, and Moody. Thinking bending off, Calvin all the way down. It's been the same way. They get their eyes off of the, the revival and get it onto what they can do for themselves. But you know what happened? Joshua wasn't that type of a man. He needed time. The sun was going down. And he knew if the enemy ever built up, the revival was almost at the end of the close of it, like we stand today. He knew if he ever waited till the enemy got glorified uh, against him, it would be hard to win that battle. You know what he did? He knew that God promised that land. He needed more time. So the sun was about to go down. Amen. a paradox indeed. the that stood there for a full day and never moved in the moon overhead, at I never moved also. Because the Bible said here that it was a, never a time before or since like it that God hearkened to the voice of a man. Amen. You say, I know we just said that day. Jesus said in St. Mark 11, 24, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't. upon their enemy. Why? It was in the line of duty. I said, "Why? out here not say mountain move. I'm sure show you how I can do it. It won't do it. But if it's in the line of duty, when God commanded you to do something, like he said to Moses, why cry to me? Speak to the yeah, children. People, yeah, yeah. they cry, on all the prophets, what they just speak and go forward. Yeah. Why? God has commissioned us to do something. Let's do it. Don't stand around and think about it say, how can it happen? Well, or that makes any difference, if God said, do it, do it anyhow. He's still a God of merit. Amen. Joshua, it certainly was a paradox when that sun stood still. I was talking to a, a scientist in school one time, uh, he a Bible teacher, and he said, uh, I referred this to him, I said, I thought you said that the, um, the earth turned uh, around. See, and uh, the sun stood still. Uh, so what about survival? You just tell us the truth. <laughs> God, Joshua, said, sun stands still. <laughs> well, he couldn't answer that one. But the sun didn't stand still. It didn't make any move, you see. That's after the earth stopped. And now he say, he said, the earth stopped. I said, you said, if the earth stopped, it lost its gravitation. Everybody would fall off of it. Now what are you going to do? It's a peril. Amen. <laughs> on the earth from hey Amen! Because a man so thin still there to our finest battle through. Amen! That's a paradox. Amen! It was a paradox when all the armies of Israel was backed up in a corner, and they were afraid of some great big uh, prehistoric like giant standing out by the name of Goliath. And there the armies of Israel, well-trained Saul, Uh, head and shoulders above the rest of his army, and shaking in his boots. Nobody was able to meet the challenge of this man of that day. There come a little ruddy-looking, stoop-shouldered kid up, weighing about 90 pounds, with a piece of sheepskin breaking around him like that. He said, shame on this army of the living God. Stand here, let that uncircumcised Philistine defile the armies of the living God. When the word comes to Saul, Saul said, you're nothing but a youth, and he's a warrior from his youth, and you're a kid of what he is. Why, you couldn't go against him, but what did he take? He never took a spear, he never took a sword, but he took a shot, and only one place could hit that giant that was right in the forehead where his armor dropped down over his face to hide his eyes, and that rock at a long distance from that 14-foot needle fear he had in his hand, go you know, all out, as long as it was, could have picked up little uh, David and done anything to him. he hung him in the tree as he threatened to let the birds eat his carcass. But what happened? There was a paradox when God took a ruddy little man that wasn't very much to look at, not even a trained soldier, just a kid that had faith in him and cut the whole country to shame. God <laughs> 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 did it now. Amen. He still oh, <laughs> paradox. He, was he put the whole army to riot. They saw that and began to run and take off because that they think that if they seemed that in that little fellow was a faith and a God who could change all names or do anything in wanted to do. When man would believe his word, certainly, I believe, it was a paradox. Moses, a great military man who tried to deliver Israel and didn't do it. He wanted to destroy the Egyptians, he destroyed one man. And he got in trouble over it, doing it in his own will. But then he took a stick, an old dry stick off of the desert, and threw a hole out of me. That I don't know why. When he struck that stick over the sea and called for the sea to close, and he grounded
1: Egypt a whole nation at one time
0: by a stick in his hand. Hey,
1: It was a paradox how he led Israel to the wilderness, and for forty years, and when they came out, there was a feeble person among them.
0: That's a paradox. Yes, sir, what a great man it was, what God did for him because he believed God. It was a paradox, yes sir. It was a paradox when God chose one little man by the name of Micah before four hundred well-trained prophets of Israel. Because this man was willing to stay with the word of God when all opposition was against him, when the four hundred said, "Ah, go on up," said to Ahab and Jehoshaphat, "Go on up. The Lord is with you. We just got the revelation. The Lord is with you. Go up. You'll push and plumb off of our land because the desire." God gave it to us. Joshua divided up the lands, and this belongs to us, and there's the Philistines up there eating corn off of our fields. Why, it's no more than reason. Our revelation is right. Then how God chose a little man like Micah They couldn't even get into the association, but he come up there with the word of the Lord, and he said, Go but I've seen Israel's like sheep having no shepherds. It was a paradox. God would stand a little bitty unnoticed fellow out there in the midst of a whole great big 400 group of prophets, of Israelite prophets, Jewish prophets, standing there prophesying falsely. How did Micah know he was right Because he was right with the word. Elijah said the same thing would happen. How could he bless what God had cursed? It was a paradox, but God made it come to pass. 31. Is a paradox when a little bitty, sissy-looking boy with seven little locks of hair hanging down his head, maybe a bull living in it for all I know, like a little bitty sissy, his name was Samson, and when a lion, about a 500-pound, maybe lion, or coming come against him, and he took his hands and tore that lion apart. And, and, well, watch what happens to the Spirit of the Lord. Come on. Yes, when Samson slew that lion with his bare hands, and pulled him apart, a little bitty, simply a boy with seven little locks of hair hanging down his back. It was a paradox when he cut the jawbone of that ewe and beat in a thousand Philistines heads. When that big helmet, big coats of nail on brass weighing probably a hundred pounds or close to it, big shields and so forth, spears, well-trained man, and a helmet about an inch and a half thick out of brass come down and turn up just your faces, and Samson stood there with this jawbone of the mule. been laying out there maybe for 40, 50 years on the desert, dry, or one lick against a piece of steel like that would've shattered it into a million pieces. But he stood there. That's the only thing. He was commissioned to fight and to take that country out. He was raised up in born and to fight that nation. It's the church and only did The Pentecostal church could only realize what you're here. Why did you come out of these things to be what you are? Yeah. He knew what he was born for. He knew where he stood. The thing he had in his hand made no difference. He stood there, and his nose full of steamed And that powerful liquor, that little shrimp standing up on a rock to reach the top of their head, went around the a knocked one more head, one the other, and there he was. A there. It was a paradox how that mule's jaw held together. It was a yeah. parrot, how that little piece of brittle bone would break through those thick helmets of breath and slay those Philistines. A thousand of them and he still stood there within his hand, just as good as it was when he picked it up. It was a paradox. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the same God. Amen. Take the word of God. God will stand by if he don't be a coward. Samson could have run, but he didn't do it. Ryan. There's a paradox when God called John the Baptist, the son of a priest, out of a great school of priests, a great seminary. Why did that follow, which it was customary that man followed the tradition of their fathers? Why it was a paradox when God took John to the wilderness to tell him what the Messiah would be, to tell him what the sign of the Messiah would be. How he would know it. Instead of going to school to learn what the Messiah would be, God took him to the wilderness to tell him what the Messiah would be. What a paradox to them, people in that day. Yes, when the virgin birth came on, that was a paradox. How that God, in order to make himself known to man, became man. How that God, the great spirit, God to me. Was before there wasn't even a light. There wasn't a meter. There wasn't an atom. There wasn't a molecule. There, there, There wasn't anything. And everything was God. Yes, that's how great He is. He's from eternity through eternity. He always was God. He always will be God. And how the greatest of all life become a little small germ in the womb of a woman in order to take his own law to pay the penalty of his law of death, how God was manifested in the flesh, how the great God of heaven changed his stream come from being God to be man through the virgin birth. Nobody can figure it out. Science, science today can't tell you how that virgin birth was. But God did it. He came. No one was able. Everyone was sexually born. Back to that, one man is the same as the other. No one could help the other, we were all in trouble. And then God himself came down and was born not of a Jew, not of a Gentile, but his blood was God. Blood comes from the male sex. In this case, it was God. God, the creator, created the blood cell in the womb of Mary, and built himself a tabernacle that himself come down and lived in it. God was in Christ, like reconciling the world himself. In him. Amen. In him grew up the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That was a paradox. It staggered people that day. You being a man, make yourself God, is still does. But just the same, it's still the same paradox that's carried on. He was God. He's still God. He always will be God. Yes, sir. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, sir. That virgin birth was a mystery to the people. They couldn't understand it. Just like the new birth is today. The new birth is a mystery to the people. They can't understand it. They don't know what you mean. They have belittled it, bring it down, saying, "Well, just because you believe something, the devils believe the same thing and tremble." It isn't what you believe; it's what God has actually done. The new birth is a birth. It was a new. It was a paradox when God brought new life to the human race. To reject it is eternal separation. To receive it is eternal life. You had, you're on the same basis that Adam and Eve was. You can take, if God puts you on anything else, it would be unjust to Adam and Eve. Each Adam and Eve tonight has got the right and wrong standing before him. You can make your choice. You can take God's word or leave God's word. You can take God's word or take your denominational creeds about it. You can yeah. take your modernistic ideas the of what it is. You can be born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, or you can be churchized, child. You know you want to be. Or be As a pillar of fire and divided himself with cloven tongues among his people, his shared tonight is the same he is today. With his I know it's a paradox. It cannot be explained. Emotions, screaming, crying, and so forth cannot be explained. But it's a paradox how God does it. It's the unseen God dwelling in the human heart, making himself visible by vindicating His Word that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a paradox for a carpenter's son. For the name of Jesus of Nazareth, took up five little biscuits and two fish and fed 5,000 people. If it isn't, I want to see somebody do it today. I want you to explain to me what kind of an atom he let loose. What did he do? Not only the fish, but the fish was grown, the fish was scaled, the fish was clean, the fish was cooked, the fish was whatever it was, and the bread was planted and grown in all the bypass. And God turned it from... From good fish to good fish. He just thrown it out. He broke it off he thrown it out. He broke it off he thrown it out. But he said, oh, oh. What does that routine mean? Wake it off. Grow it out. Wake it off. Grow it out. Feed. grow it out. That means he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the same convoy. He's still the world. I say, You can't. Exhausted goodness. They say we have no need for miracles, no need for paradise. He's waiting. That's His program. That's what He is. He's the same yesterday forever. He's waiting for you to reach up and take your potion. Are you scared of it? Would you rather go down to the river and fish out a fish and try to cook it and fry it in some kind of hog lard or something? Or are you to take it the way God has it? Just reach up my face and say, Jesus, is the same yesterday and forever. I praying, Lord. I believe in you. Waste them in me. The food, the strength, the faith that I need. Watch and see what happens. With a sincere heart, he'll satisfy every hunger. He'll do it. Jesus was a, made a, had a paradox when he fed 5,000 people, uh, five fish, and, and then taking up two basketfuls or several basketfuls afterwards. It was a paradox when a man with feet like I got, and you got them, upon a lake like Lake Michigan out here. When the storms is on and the white probably prophet if you was ever there and see how the storms come down, they do it yet. Across Galilee there and it almost looks like Baal above the ocean dry. When that comes down through there and winds terribly and begins to sweep and the white cap pitch that boat until all hoax is gone, and upon that thing world has been roaring from roaring uh, from a long four o'clock in the afternoon, I'd say, until the last fourth watch on three or four o'clock in the morning. How far had they rolled across the sea, and they left him on the other side? Amen. And at the fourth watch, here he comes walking up on the waves. That was a paradox. How could he make himself light enough? How could he step on the waves, and step from one wave to the other? Those big waves coming, he'd go right up over one. Right down in the other, right up forward, along without a drop of water on him, come walking on the waves. What was it? It was a paradox. Absolutely, it was a paradox when Peter, who he had never seen in his life, his name is Simon, walked up in the presence of Jesus Christ, because his brother Andrew had told him he was the Messiah, and when Jesus looked that man in the face for the first time that he had ever seen him. And fact, your name is Simon, and you are the son of Jonas. That's a paradox. If it isn't, tell me how he did it. It was a paradox. Why? Because he is the Word. And the Bible said the Word of God is sharper than a 2 edged sword, and a deserter of the thoughts and intents of the heart, that prove that he was the Word. Amen. The same yesterday, day, and forever. It was a paradox when Philip went around the hill and found Nathaniel and brought him back into the presence of Jesus, and Jesus told him where he was the day before. That was a paradox. Amen. Showed that he was the Word. Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no God said, When did you know me, Rabbi? He said, Before Philip called you, when he was under the tree, I saw you.
1: A paradox.
0: Amen. It was a paradox. When a little businessman of the city of Jericho, a critic of the Lord Jesus, climbed up in a sycamore tree to hide the scene past by. And when Jesus of Nazareth was coming, walking down the street, and stood right on the tree where he was, and raised up there and called him by his name. Yeah. 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 come down. I'm going home with you for lunch. Yeah. A path. Yeah. He had never seen the man. All the days of his life, he had never laid eyes on him. It was a paradox when maybe a, a several hundreds of people, yes, maybe fifteen, twenty hundred people coming out of the city of Jericho, making fun of him and laughing at him when he left the city that afternoon, or that morning, rather, as he was going out of the city when people were throwing overripe vegetables at him, I could hear a priest say, hey, they tell me you raised the head. Hey, you prophet, you call yourself a prophet. We got a whole graveyard for it over here, just man, good man. Breathe my dime! <laughs> Go up here! Raise it up! Let's see you raise the dead! Didn't even hear a word they said. One hailing one thing and one another. Away way back over there against the wall, some 250 yards, a poor old beggar shivered in the cold air with his sleeve. Said, Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, first mercy on me! It stopped him in his tracks! Yeah. Hallelujah! Yeah. A call from Joshua, not very far, not a 10 miles from where he was standing right there stopped the sun one day but a poor beggar stopped the F-O-O-N and a his was the same kind of face that Joshua had Amen, hey, man because he knows if he was the son of David he was a manifested messiah and he could get it back in time a paradox oh my certainly was a paradox yes sir God. It was a paradox how God could become man to die. God, life, eternal life, could become God's natural life to die, to save man, to bring him back to eternal life. That was a paradox, how this great uh, God that built all space and all eternity could come down and be a man in order to die to save a, his own creation, how God became one of his own creation. They're saved because he created his own body. Jehovah the Father dwelt in fullness in Jesus Christ his Son. Jesus was the body of God. God was represented in the tabernacle of the flesh of Jesus Christ. And how did that one fill all space and all eternity become one man? Hey, Amen. You see what I mean? There, and that God could do that to die. And oh, that was a paradox in itself. How he could make himself that way in order to suffer death for the whole human race. But oh, what a paradox when a man had been crucified, put to death, pushed the big Roman spear about six or eight inches wide through his heart, and blood and water gushed out. And they took him off the cross dead, wrapped him in, in cloth and laid him in a tomb. He was so dead. To the Roman centurion said he was dead. Everybody there said he was dead. The moon said he was dead. The stars said he was dead. The sun said he was dead. The earth had a nervous prostration. It said he was dead. Yeah. And on the third day, the yeah. That's a paradox. Yeah. He said, I have power to lay my life down. I have power to take it up again. Yeah. A genuine paradox of God, his resurrection was. It was a paradox of God when Jesus chose fishermen instead of trained priests to carry his message. Look like when he come, he'd have come to the great Pharisees and Sadducees and said, Brethren, you are the man who down to the ages has kept this denomination clean. I've come to take you down. Your fathers will be proud of you when they can look down over the rims of heaven and where they was. I doubt it. Jesus said, you're your father, the devil. So then uh, broke down and said, well, we'd be happy. They'd be happy to know this. I've come now to take up where you all have brought it to. It was a paradox when he condemned everyone of them and told them they were of the devil and went down on the Sea of Galilee and picked up ignorant fishmen who didn't even know how to write things. Yeah. And gave the keys to the kingdom of God instead of giving the keys to the high priest. How could a man to a religion that tries what they thought tried, in their traditions and things to keep up the things of God? And here he comes and selects another group down on the river, and when man's trained and educated and went through seminaries and schools and everything else, then he comes right back around and ignores that, and takes an ignorant fisherman and gives him the keys to the kingdom. the same thing you had to believe tonight is God's promised word. Look at that poor little woman standing there at the well. She said, We know when Messiah cometh he'll tell us these things. He told her what her trouble was. She said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. We know when the Messiah cometh he'll tell us those things. What? God! Talk into a heart! Amen. and asking a favor brings to bring the
1: Think of it. Talk about a paradox. What a paradox that that seed of eternal life predestinated
0: before the foundation of the world could group out in such a thing as that by the desire of the flesh. How that poor little woman probably turned on the street. Down in her heart she was predestinated to eternal life. When the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth according to the Bible our names were put on that book. Jesus said, No man can come to me except my Father draws him, and all the Father has given me will come. Just scatter the light. Watch when that light hit those priests and all their intellect. What happened? They said, He's the of a fortune teller, a devil. He said, You're your father, the devil. That's where it come from. But when this little immoral woman, talking to God, and how could that predestinated seed be anchored in such a, a vile person as that? It's a paradox. Amen. But watch when the light struck it, said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, prophet's where the word of the Lord comes to the prophet, see? And that was her sin, and he, the prophet, had the word. So she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, we know that when Messiah cometh, he'll do these things, he said, I'm he that speaks to you, brother. She left that book in the way she went. Her testimony saved her city. Sychar. Now, that was a paradox when when Jesus did that. Yes, sir. It was a paradox when God put His Spirit in the Pentecostal, the poor fishermen and uneducated people, instead of Caiaphas, as the high priest. And oh, how He put His Gospel. It was a paradox when God chose the way that's called parish to crazy. People staggering, jumping, carrying on, acting like they were insane. They called them crazy. It's a paradox when God would bypass the great high synagogues, the great Sanhedrin courts, and the great high scholar priests and pick up a bunch of ignorant, unlearned fishermen that had no more than just to believe him and to take his word and see the results and please God to bypass what they call the most holy thing in the world to pick up a bunch of low trash it was called and the way that they were worshipping called heresy to make the way of salvation. Yes,
1: and that's the truth, you
0: can't deny it. Paul said in a way that's called heresy, that's the way I worship my God, the God of our fathers, the way that's called heresy. Yes, it was a paradox when that great pillar of fire that come down from heaven, an angel of the Lord, a pillar of fire, led the children of Israel through the wilderness. That was a paradox that talked to Moses out there in a burning bush. And it was a paradox that 800 years later, and according to the scripture in St. John 858, if you want to know where it's at, you want to know where it started out verses, Exodus thirteen thirty-one, And it was a paradox, when after all that journey, and all that time, that here Jesus said, that before Abraham was, I am. I am was in the burning bush. I am was the one that talked to Moses. It was a strange thing that after his death, burial, and resurrection, saw that little hook-nosed, you and nasty temper, and even put some of the church to death on his road down to Damascus to arrest those people. And down there they had a prophet named Ananias. and I. It was down there prophesying to him, the prophet of the Lord, telling the word of the Lord, because to come to him. And while Pastor Ananias was down there prophesying, Saul went down to get him. And right in the middle of the day, that same pillar of fire that came down and led Israel struck Saul to the ground. And all the people standing around could not see it, but it's the price Paul to put his eyes out. Amen. He was lying. It was so real to him, and the rest of them couldn't see it. It's a hell. One sentence of one person would declare, would declare it to another. That's the reason people can sit in, in a meeting and look at the work of the Lord and get up and walk out and make fun of it. And the other holds to it with all the heart. It's a paradox. Now, God can take advantage of It's a paradox. But see how God does it even in this day. It was a paradox for Paul. You know, Paul never did see Jesus in physical form. He had to accept the revelation just like Peter did. You never know Jesus by physical form. You say, Who does man say I the Son of Man am? Someone said, Why, well, you're Moses, and some say you're Elias and Jeremiah. He said, That's not what I ask. What do you say? Peter said, "I, art the heart Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon, the Son of Jonas. Blessed and blood is I revealed it to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed it to on this cross. I'll build my church in the case of hell, you i not prevail against it. There you are, paradox. When he was standing there and didn't know him in human flesh, but he knowed him by his works and revelation. Seemed to fulfill exactly what the scripture is. That's the same kind of paradox that brings a man from some old cold formal tree into a living God. It's a paradox to see the same man read the same Bible and deny what the other will believe in and accept the evidence of it. It's a paradox. When he can see it working on the other fellow, sure he ought to know that it's the same God. His creed's wrong. If it's contrary to God's vindicating His word, then your creed's wrong. Amen. Yeah. Don't mean to be so rude, but that's the truth of paradox. I've said 30 minutes, and it's just exactly that. I've got about six pages of notes here your head. Paradox! Do you believe in it? Amen. Yeah. Hey, I believe in it. i stop. Let me tell you something. Listen. Uh, here's some time ago down in the south where I come from, I was having a little bit of ice cream one day, an old druggist friend of mine, a real born-again saint, he was a real man. Had not seen him for some time, I was going through the city, and I stopped to see him. And I seen his name up there, and I thought, well, there he's got this business here, he's been there for a year. I went up, went in, and he was there looking down over his little glasses, you know, and I looked over his little glasses and hung down on his cheek, and he said, Well, if it isn't Brother Branham, and he raised up and come put his arms around me and come pat me, he told his sons, "They Go get us some, some ice cream. We said, Have a cup of coffee. I said, No, sir. i would talk to you if they give me a cup of coffee. I said, Makes me nervous. I said, I'll just take some ice cream. So we got some ice cream out, and the girls was back there and so forth in the store, And we sat and had a little fellowship around the ice cream. He said, Brother Branham, I, I want to tell you something. He said. I, I've been a little reluctant to tell other people. We got talking about the Lord and His goodness, the old fellow crying and tears running down his cheeks. And he said, I, I want to tell you something. He said, it, it may seem strange to to you. He said, but I believe that a person like you would understand it. I said, go ahead, brother. What is it? He said, back in during the time of the Depression, he said, my gray-headed son there was just a young man. and said, we were here in the, this business then. And he said, uh, but people were poor and didn't have nothing to eat, and to get an order, to get medicine or something, they had to go and stand in line, and many of you remember that, I'm sure you do, Stand in line to get a little okay from the county that you could get these drugs or get something to eat. And he said, I was sitting here one day reading my Bible, and, and said, somebody come in the door, and my son got up young, went up to the front, and said, I heard him say, no, we can't do it, and said, I listened close, I laid my word down. And I listened close, and the man said, Sir, he said, My wife's about to faint. When he looked, he said he seen the woman ready to be delivered of a baby. The young couple, the young man said to him, he said, I I, I stood in that line there, said, Oh, a city block long. He said, My wife just can't stand there any longer. He said, I wonder, I've got the prescription from the doctor. She must have the minister out of the way. Said, Will you fill it? And then I'll take her home, and then I'll go stand in the line. I'll, I'll get the, the order for it. If you, if a boy said, Sir, that's against the rules here. Yeah, we, we can't do it. He said, Well, I didn't know. He said, Thank you very much, son. Turned to walk away. And he said, Justin started to start walk. Somebody said to him, down his heart, said, Joseph and Mary was turned away one time too. And said, so I raised up and said, Wait, son, just a minute. He said, the fellow stopped. And I went and got the prescription. He got back behind there and filled it while he waited, holding his wife with a hand. She was so faint. She was just leaning over on his shoulder. He said, I walked out there. and I, He said, I'm sorry I have to do this, sir. He said, that's all right." He had. He sat down and just handed it out. And when he laid it in his hand, he said, I better I saw Jesus. In his hands! And Brother Branham, there he was! Just exactly the way the picture shows it. He said, so I couldn't talk. And the man turned around and walked out of the building. He said, Do you believe that, Brother Branham? I said, oh, I believe it was all that's on the inside of me. Certainly, St. Martin of Cross, if you've ever read of St. Martin, he was a soldier. And he was he was, his, followed his father's footsteps. He always felt the call of God. Only I think his people wasn't exactly religious. And one day he was coming as a bad winner and the history says, and he was as an old beggar laying out at the gate, and he was freezing to death. And many people who could have fed that old man or given him some clothes, he was crying holding his hand up. Just an old, whiskered, dirty man laying at the gate of the city, and he's saying, help me somebody, I, I'm freezing. The, the night i died, somebody give me a garment. St. Martha doesn't give all he had away. He just, as a soldier, he had a, his coat on. He stood by one side and watched and see if somebody would do it. The people come and gone, and uh, nobody would help him. Then he reached up right and looked at the old man, he had compassion on him, pulled his old coat up and took his sword and cut it in half, wrapped part of it around his shoulders, tucked the other half and wrapped the old beggar in it so he lived through the night, went walking on. The people laughed and said, "What a funny-looking soldier with only a half a coat on!" That night, while he was sleeping in the bed, he woke up. Somebody walked into the room. He looked down across the cross room and there stood Jesus with that old piece of garment was wrapped around him. He knew by that. He was the man saint. Martin was one of the men who contended back there for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. He believed in the miracles of God. He believed in speaking with tongues. He believed in all the testament that was rolled by the apostles. He believed in and contended for as long as he lived in God reform miracles. He knew when he seen that old beggar wrapped in a piece of garment of his own coat, that the Word of God was fulfilled, insomuch as you have done unto the least of these, my little ones, you have done it unto me. You said, the man didn't see it. I believe he didn't seen it. I believe he got it. I believe that it is there. I believe that was Jesus he looked at. It was a revelation of God made manifest because he carried out. Talk about a paradox. There's coming one when the dead in Christ shall rise. And we would your life shall be changed in a moment, in a moment of an eye to be caught up together to meet him in the air. Yes. Oh, how God keeps his word in this intellectual age. How he's the same yesterday and forever. How he can still discern the thoughts of the human heart. How he can still change man. How he can still keep every word that he promised in this day. He's the same yesterday day and forever. How he can still manifest and let him take the picture of that same pillar of that Paul of Israel, the same one that was with the Lord Jesus, the same one was down there with Saul on the road, the same one that came in and delivered Peter out of prison. That same angel of God is here tonight. and doing the very same thing said what it did when he was and you know what it manifested in human flesh. Why? Wow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe in a paradox? I believe in God's wanting people to believe in a paradox. I went way over my time. I believe it could be a paradox right here. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I believe that God is willing and wanting to take his people and show himself. If he can only get a man or a woman, boy, or a girl to lay down their own thoughts
1: yeah. and become a prisoner to him. And
0: believing, He's this Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And now He's in you, the hope of glory, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said in St. John 14 12, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall He do also. He promised in St. Luke that as it was in the days of Sodom, when the elected church, Abraham's group, would receive a sign like Abraham received and Lot's group would receive a sign like Lot did. It's a very strange thing that we've had all these great reformers of Luther and Wesley, but never did we ever have a man out there with his name ending in H-A-M, a a messenger to the world, G-R-A-H-A-M, That's six letters. A-B-R-A-H-A-M is Abraham. We've had Moody, Stinky, Spenny, Knox, Calvin, but never a ham, father to the nation. we got one now at the paradox. you know that? Yeah. And look, he's doing just exactly called him out of Sodom. But remember, Abraham had a messenger up there to his group, too. Amen. Yeah. What kind of a sign did he do with his back turned to the tent, said, I'm going to visit you according to the time of the promise, according to the time of life. He said, where is your wife Sarah? He said, she's in the tent behind you. And when he said that, Sarah laughed to herself. He said, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, these things can't be. See, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. For works that I do, God's words become so. If he abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask any of them you will, and it will be made manifest to you. A paradox, you see, a, a promised God. Of God that's been made for 2,000 years and church ethics has drawn the people so far away, but in the midst of all of it, God comes right down and bursts that word right back into his again. Just exactly. It is a paradox. Do you believe me? Let us pray. If there's people in here tonight that would want to see a paradox performed on you to you change your heart from unbelief to faith in God, would you raise your hand and say, Lord, remember me, remember me. God bless you. Oh, let's look at the hands. Heavenly Father, There is so many hands. I wouldn't be able to say, God bless to each one, but thou knowest them all. Change their thinking, Lord. Oh, let it happen, a paradox. They've always kind of stooped around. They've halfway believed, maybe. Maybe some of them even belong to church, but yet they have never met that time that when they had that supreme freedom, believed and know that what God promised God was able to do. Yet we profess to be the seed of Abraham, who staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but with strong giving praise to God. Now, Father God, I pray in Jesus' name to have mercy upon them. Oh, God, come down among us tonight. Move upon us. And show us that You're still a God of miracles. Make a paradox, Lord. And show that Your Word still can discern the thoughts and the of the heart. You're still the same One that was manifested out there that Abraham called Elohim. The Lord God Creator, the All-Sufficient One, the Self-Existing One. Oh, God, You're still eternal God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And the blood of your son has sanctified a church and cleansed it. That the word, oh, if they could only touch it without adding creed, Lord. But now he says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. The branch bears the fruit of the vine, for the life of the vine, of the branch comes from the vine. How we thank thee for this, Lord. How Perfect it is, and in this day of unbelief and superstitions and, and all kinds of creed, yet you're the same God that stopped the sun for Joshua. You're the same one with all on the stick that Moses stretched over the sea. You're the same one that could call life, fleas, frogs, whatever it was by the mouth of Moses. You're the same God that could put rain in the skies. You're the same one that's going to rain far out of the skies. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, O oh, Lord God. Show us thy glory tonight by saving and filling every person that raised their hand. Granted, Lord, may it just not be another self-starch prayer, may it not be another self-starch way of raising the upper hand under the influence of, a, of something, but may it be from the depths of their heart that the people cries out, Oh, Lord, God created me, a faith that can believe you and can accept every word and punctuate every promise with an Amen. Granted, Father. I commit it to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. It's Ten o'clock. We don't have to have a prayer line up here, we have it out there. You believe it? How many in here that believes that he's the same yesterday and forever, that believes that that little woman had touched his garment with her fingers and he was he was physical. She touched his garment, that was a paradox. He could not feel it. And he turned around and said, who touched me? And she couldn't hide herself. And he told her her troubles and her faith healed her. And the Bible says today in Hebrew that he is a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. How many sick people believe that? Raise your hand. All right? You believe it. And let's see now if that's true. You say, Brother Bram, how does that come? Just believing the word just the way it's wrote. Don't take any... Here, say what? This guy says it this way and this guy says it that way. You believe it just the way it's wrote. If he's got to judge you by the way it's wrote, then why not take somebody else's interpretation for it? Because that's where it's going to be judged. Just that, that's his standard. He's watched over his word. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just the exactly of the word. That's what we will be judged by as this is God's word. And if he abide in me as the faith, my word abide in you because he is the word, then ask what you will. Now you touch his garment. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that we're living in the last days. I believe you are the same God that performed all these miracles that our pastor has showed us tonight in the Word. I believe that you are the high priest. Lord, let me touch your garment. Then you speak to this brother. If it, it claims that you speak to him and then he doesn't know me, but you know me. And then see if he isn't the same God of miracles and there'll be a paradox again, an unsearchable thing that man can not discern and tell. Will you believe it? If he will, let do it. Then we know it'll be a paradox. Is that right? I sort of have a prayer line that got so called away on that. I, I just got away from it at time's time. Just about gone. You believe it. Let's start over. I have to separate you. Let's start on this side here. Somebody this way. How many over here knows that I don't know You're knows not to raise up your hands if you're sick? You know it. You won't ask God. All right. Some of you believe it. Just... Just take this with all your heart, and Lord Jesus, the same yesterday day, and forever, let me touch you, Lord. My faith is moving to you. Yonder are on the right hand of God, sitting in majesty, and your Holy Spirit that was in you is here tonight. Let me just touch my faith, Lord. Then see if he is still the author of Paradox. To bring things to pass is absolutely unknown. Just be reverent. Here. See this right here? The color lady sitting right back over here. She's bothered with a kidney condition. She's just had an operation. I don't know the lady. I'm a stranger to you, is that right lady? But well, that is true, isn't it? Do you believe that the same God that could tell that little woman and touched his garment over there and uh, on the other side of the lake, do you believe that that's the same God? You couldn't touch me physically, you know, so I, didn't, I don't know yet. So there is a high priest because he said he was a high priest, is that right? And do you believe it when you were there praying for it to be you? Something struck you, and immediately I I'm called about it. Is that right? All right. This operation you had didn't seem to be too successful. You're not getting well to, and you're alarmed about it. And you come here tonight for that same purpose. If the Lord Jesus will reveal to me who you are, like it is Simon and come up, would you believe me to be his prophet, his servant? You believe that? This is Tigram. That's right. Now you believe with all your heart, you go home be well, you're going to get well because your faith makes you well. You believe with all your heart, how about in this section, it's in here somewhere, somebody believe? A man sitting out here on the end, he's suffering with trouble with his eyes. I don't know where he doing yet, he's caught me now, he feels it. The Spirit of God. Can you see that line Mr. Odom. That's your name. I'm a total stranger to you. But you're worried about your eyes. Christ makes you well. Your are faithful. i ask the man if I ever seen him know anything about him or this woman or, or whoever it is. There's a Spirit of Do you believe that? He's the same as he promised. The so works that I do, shall you do also. That's how he identified himself with being Messiah. Forever, hey, and you know it can be me. I'm the Messiah. I'm just a man, your brother. But it's the Holy Ghost here. Here's the side stand over a, slide, a woman. I know who she is. She's sitting out right here. Don't worry, Miss Collins. Stop bothering about that fingers cup tape. It'll all come out all right. God me. Now I know that woman. I know who she is. She's from down in the or Kentucky. I know her. her husband there is a member of my church. She's a he's a deacon down there. a fine man. But there's that guy. don't be right over. She's been bothering she's sick. and she's upset about Something if you don't know what to do or not, you just remember, quick friend, sister, it'll be all right. You don't know right. he'll need you to let you Amen. Hey